chapter 2. I want you to open your Bible to Acts chapter 2. So nice to see everyone here today, but we're especially glad to have some guests with us. If this is your first time, again, we're delighted that you have come. Um, we hope that you receive what God sent you here to receive. Stop by our welcome desk as a gift for you. Don't forget about that. Acts chapter 2, as you're turning there, let me highlight just a couple of things. There, there's a Dominican Republic meeting today. Those who are going to the Dominican Republic with me in July, um, we're having a meeting, really a mandatory meeting. I need to know exactly who's still going and um, if you have signed up and still desire to go, I want you to come. And if you haven't signed up, there's still room. We'd love to talk to you about that as well. In the friendship room, we're having a meeting immediately following this service. I need you there. Also, we're about to have our annual celebration. Our, our annual business meeting is on the horizon in March. And so we are looking at potential board members. And we're actually collecting nominees now. We have a nominee committee this year. This is the first year that we've done this. But we have a nominee committee. I chair that committee along with Gary Linerville. Cassie Hare serves on this committee. Mike Jacob and Vi Price. This is the board nominating committee this year. And so if you have someone that you are thinking about and perhaps you have prayed about, hopefully you have prayed about that, you can approach any of these committee members, Gary, Liner Gary Linerville, Cassie Hare, Mike Jacob, or Vi Price, and um, give us your feedback. Acts chapter 2, look at verse number 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled. Somebody say all filled. The Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Father, we thank you for your presence today. What a powerful, powerful powerful outpouring of your spirit and of your presence in this room. We are so grateful that you're here with us. We ask now that our hearts be open, our ears be attentive, and that we learn. Teach us today by the power of your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I've started a series that I entitled Saturate. The whole thought of this series came because I'm believing God is going to saturate my life, my home, this church. In fact, I saw, I saw something back in November of last year as I was praying about our future together as a church. I saw a dam breaking and an outpouring, this is all a spiritual thing that I saw. I saw an outpouring of God's Spirit so great that it just completely consumed us as a church. And I, I sensed the Lord saying, I want to saturate you. But then I also sensed the Lord asking, will you saturate yourself? 
We want God to do everything, don't we? We want God to come the whole way. But God never did go the whole way. You just look in Genesis and go all the way to Revelation and you'll see God doing his part, but God also requiring his people to do their part. As I sense God telling me that he was going to saturate us, he was also asking me, will you saturate yourself? Will we do our part? And so we launch out into this this series entitled Saturate. We agreed two weeks ago to saturate ourselves in prayer. How many are doing your best to pray like you haven't really been praying before 2015? There's a conscious effort to be praying. Remember, prayer is just simple conversation with God. Make sure it's not a one-way conversation. That's annoying. Don't do all the talking. Talk to God and then listen to God. That's called prayer. Do it a lot. Do it consistently. Discipline yourself with a set place and a set time and saturate yourself in prayer. We also last week agreed that we would saturate ourselves in the Word. How many are doing your part in God's Word and you're trying to discipline yourself with a daily routine of of reading the Word of God? Remember, we're hearing the Word of God, we're reading the Word of God, we're studying the Word of God, we're memorizing the Word of God, and what else? Oh, come on. Meditating. Thank you. Who said it? Reuben, one of the new ones. One of a baby Christian right here remembers my point last. I like that. Good. Keep it up. But let me just tell you, reach over and grab that imaginary seatbelt and pull it over and buckle in. Because today, we saturate in the Spirit. Saturate in the Spirit. It's already started. It's already happening. There's a river flowing, Karen. There is a river flowing. It would be a shame for you to sit back and go, wow, that really looks like they're having fun out in the river. Come on and get in. Get all wet. Let God saturates you in his spirit. Don't fight it anymore. People are going to think we're strange anyhow. We might as well confirm it. I am a Pentecostal. I, 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 I embrace that. It's part of who I am. It's what I believe. So why hide that? I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Why are we hiding that? Why are we uh, dictating when the, the Spirit will have freedom to move, speak, and direct? I want you to notice something. Notice who was in the room when this happened. This Acts 2-4 experience. Who was there anyway? Well, we get a little glimpse. The Bible tells us there's 120 there. And we get a listing of some in Acts chapter 1. You might want to go back just one, one chapter. Let me give you a couple verses, 13 and 14. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room. This is where they were staying. And it starts listing. Peter and John were there. 
James and Andrew were there, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. These are the disciples, right? But there's more. All these, verse 14 says, with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Good, good thing to do. It's what we're trying to do. And also with them were some women. Included was Jesus' mother, Mary, and Jesus' brothers. This is who is in the room. Why is this important? For a few reasons. I want you to notice who's in the room because they're just ordinary, common people. Just common people. Fishermen were there. Tax collectors were in the room. Carpenters were in the room. Family members were in the room. There were men in the room. There were women in the room. Probably a variety of ages in the room. Perhaps some were married. Perhaps some were not. They were just ordinary, common people who were gathering together to pray. Earnestly pray. What else is important about those in the room? Well, not only are they common people, they're flawed people. If you're a little bit flawed, I, I'm going to give you some good news right here. Maybe if you're a lot flawed, like me, <laughs> there's even more good news. Because no matter what level of flaw, I, I have a feeling we're just all flawed, aren't we? We're all human, we're all born into sin, and we're all prone to sin, and we have all sinned. So we're all flawed. This is a group of people in an upper room, ordinary, common folk, who have issues. For instance, they struggled with fear. Perhaps you remember they're out in a boat and a storm arises. So great is the storm that they are certain the boat is going to capsize and they'll all probably drown. So they wake up Jesus. The storm didn't bother Jesus, did it? He's asleep. Don't you love it? He's asleep in the, in the bottom of the boat. They have to wake him up because the storm wasn't going to wake him up. The storm didn't bother him at all. Ah, I want to preach that, but I'll save that for another time. Watch what he did, though. He didn't just speak peace to the storm. He spoke peace to the disciples. He calmed their fear. Because Just because they encountered Jesus didn't mean they still didn't have their issues. They're common people that have their issues. They've got flaws. They struggled with fear. They struggled with pride. The disciples are arguing over who's going to be the greatest. What does Jesus do? He gets a child and brings a child next to him. Says, guys, you don't get it. You have to become like a child. My mother-in-law, Marlene, is here. She's actually relocated from Pittsburgh, and now she is a California citizen. Ooh. It's exciting to have her. And she said something, I don't know, a week ago or something. She said, anytime I was sick, I'd try to go and find a second grader. I think she said a second grader because I knew their faith. They just believed that you could be healed. You have to become like a child who doesn't really care, see. 
doesn't matter who's greatest, but they struggled with pride. They struggled with this. They struggled with wanting position, jockeying for position. There was a man named Zebedee. He had a couple of sons that we know of. Their names were James and John, two of the disciples. And at one point, they're having this argument, this conversation on who's going to sit on the right and who's going to sit on the left-hand side of Jesus. Ordinary people, common people are gathered in this upper room with issues, with struggles, with flaws. They struggled with anger. Peter, another of the disciples, angrily lops off the ear of a soldier when they come to to get Jesus to take him to trial. They struggled with faithfulness. Oh, here's some good news for somebody today. You want to do right, you try to do right, but yet you struggle with remaining true, remaining faithful. This probably would affect everybody in the room. So did the disciples. Remember Peter, he says, I'll never leave you, Jesus. Jesus says, yeah, that's what you think. Before the the sun comes up, before the rooster crows, in other words, you'll throw me under the bus three times. You will deny me straight up three times. Peter wanted to be faithful. He thought he could be faithful. But when the push came to shove, he betrayed. I'm talking to you about a group that's gathered in a room praying, common, ordinary, with flaws. What else is important about this group? Oh, yeah, they're saved. They're already saved. This wasn't a meeting to try to pray somebody to the Lord, bring some people to the Lord, a revival meeting, right? This is a prayer meeting of people who already encountered Christ and already made up their decision to follow Him. They're saved, in other words. Those gathered in the upper room that day were Christians. They watched Jesus do the miracles. They listened to his teaching firsthand. They sat across from the table and ate with him. They traveled from town to town with him. They also were the same people that heard the false accusations against Jesus. They witnessed the scourging. They witnessed the beating. They saw Jesus, their friend, suffer and ultimately die on the cross. That's who's gathered in the upper room. There are also some of the same people that witness the resurrected Jesus. Because not only did Jesus die, did you know that he actually rose again and that death didn't keep him down? That he defeated the grave? Does anybody even know that still? I know it's not Easter yet, but could I just squeeze that in for good measure? He died, yes, but he didn't stay dead. He rose victorious. Hallelujah. They are the people in the room. Ordinary, common people with their issues, with their struggles, with their flaws, already following Jesus, watched him die, watched him rise, and now they're simply following instruction and waiting on a promise. Luke 24, 49, Jesus said this, Behold, I'm sending the promise the promise of my Father upon you. Notice the wording. 
but stay in the city until you are clothed or endued, completely enveloped, maybe saturated from on high. Acts 1-4 reiterates this. While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've already heard this. He's just reiterating this. So what is the promise? What are they waiting for? Tell me, what is the promise? The promise is the Holy Spirit, yes. But what does the Holy Spirit bring? Power. Somebody say power. They were waiting on a promise. Jesus said, you've got to wait on this. I'm leaving, yes, but I, I, if I leave and because I'm leaving, the Father's going to send you this gift, this promise, this power. They're waiting on power. Acts 1.8. You shall receive. Come on, say power, everybody. You shall receive when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Here's that wording again. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and in fact, all around the world. somebody praying about direction in another country? You're, you're waiting on God to open a door. This is a world, this is a world wide travel and you're waiting on God to open a door. Is there somebody like that in this room? I sense the Holy Spirit giving you clear direction in a new season that God has for you. Is there one here like that? Maybe you'll talk to me privately later. I sense that very strongly. Let me preach on. The promise was for power. Those gathered in the upper room that day, those who uh, were common, flawed, saved, they're already saved. They're waiting on something else. Don't you think that salvation is enough? Wait a minute, isn't, isn't it enough that we're saved? I think it's a fair question. Is it enough that we are saved? Well, I'm going to say this. It is enough that we are saved to get into heaven. All right? I think the Bible's very clear. If we accept Christ, we're born again. And that ensures us a place in heaven. So salvation is enough for us to get in heaven and live eternally in heaven. But I want to take as many people with me as I possibly can. And I need help. I get insecure. I, I get angry. I get, I get jealous. I, you know. So I think if you want to take some people with you to heaven, then it's really not enough. 
This is where that promise for power is so important. Christians just struggle to live right and do right and act right and talk right. Why? There's no spirit help. We're saved, but we're just struggling in our own efforts to try to do right. You're going to get wore out. They're waiting on power, an endowment, a clothing. It says you're, you're going to be clothed. You're just all covered, aren't you? You're all covered? You're all covered? I hope you're all covered. Of course we're all covered. We clothed ourselves. Imagine being all covered with the Holy Spirit, an endowment, a surrounding, a saturation. So let's read Acts 2.4. I've replaced one word. Don't stone me. It fits. I took out the word filled and I put in saturated. Let's all read it together. And they were all saturated with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What's the power for? Three ways that you'll be empowered by being saturated in the Spirit. Number one, saturation in the Spirit empowers your witness. This is what Acts 1.8 tells us. You'll receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. And the first thing that it highlights is your witness. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and your witness is going to be effective. It's going to transform your witness. It's going to give your witness empowerment. Now, your witness is what you say. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Your witness is what you say. There are three ways that your witness actually speaks. Three ways your witness will speak. First of all, it's the actual words that you say. Do you know how much power there is already in your words? Your words have a lot of power. My words have a lot of power. In fact, Proverbs 18 tells us death and life are actually in the power of your words. Bring that up. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue or the power of your words and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now that's not just talking of those who love the good side of, of your words. Yes, we will enjoy the benefit of, of speaking right words and saying right things and, and building up and encouraging. But also those who love the negative side. Trust me, there are plenty of people who love the negative side of what comes out of their mouths and what their tongue wags to say. And they're just constantly drawn to criticism. They're constantly drawn to the negative. They like it. It actually tastes good. And they will also eat its fruit. The bad part of that is when the fruit comes ripe, it doesn't taste so good. There's already built-in power in your words. I've known many families who have completely been severed and do not associate any longer with one another or speak to one another 
because of heated words. Words that were said that should never have been said. Oh, I see a lot of heads nodding. Isn't it sad? You know it yourself. You're probably touched somewhere like this with someone you know. Saying things in a heat of anger and in a moment of rage that you can't get back. And a simple sorry won't make everything else you said right. There's power already in our words. Now imagine an endowment of power on a vehicle that already is powerful. The Holy Spirit wants to empower the words that you speak. We do a lot of talking every day. Joe makes a living at talking. He's got a great announcer voice. He's an announcer for sports, uh, sports activities and MMA and baseball. and He makes a living at speaking. He does a lot of talking. It's awesome that you can make a living this way. Imagine how many words come out of your mouth in a day's time. Some of it is maybe irre irrelevant. Maybe some of it's irreverent too. Yeah, I don't know. But, but imagine now the Holy Spirit empowering the words that you might speak. That's really what he wants to do because your witness, in part at least, is what you're saying. Are you saying the right things? Are you saying what God wants you to say? What the Holy Spirit is trying to prompt you to say? Your witness is what you say, and that can be the actual words that you speak, but it can also be the words you don't speak. Because your silence has a very loud voice. This can be good and bad. For instance, not laughing at inappropriate jokes, that's a good thing. You actually held your, your tongue. You didn't participate in, in the gossip session that was around the water cooler. See, sometimes it's not just what we say, it's what we don't say. And now that has a two-edged sword to it. Because there will be times the Holy Spirit is, is nudging you and urging you to say something and you don't say anything. See, God is so big and so grand and so awesome that he's just constantly maneuvering and, and putting people in place and situations in place and rearranging schedules that we're so unaware of. He's working on a supernatural level so that we can run into somebody. God set it all up. Rearranged their schedule, rearranged your schedule, had the timing just right, and, and you're crossing, and, and here it is, and God's going, I know I can count on him. I know she's going to come through, and we don't say a word. We miss moments like that all the time, church, all of us. Probably daily we miss those God moments. But the Holy Spirit, see, if we are saturated in the Spirit, he will empower our witness and what we say, when we say it, helping us to keep our mouths shut, perhaps, that could be spirit-empowered. More of us need that kind of spirit empowerment. Come on now, you might as well say amen. And also speaking out when God wants us to. 
and saying those things. There's a third level of, of how you speak and, and, and your witness speaking. It is your actions, the witness of your actions. Finish, finish this phrase for me. Actions speak. Mm-hmm, we know it well, don't we? Right? Actions speak louder than words. What are your actions saying? Oh, you can say with your words all day long, I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And we can get our Shandai on on a Sunday, and we can run the aisle. That's on Sunday. But don't let anybody know that you were out clubbing on Saturday. Mm. There's an inconsistency. Actions are saying one thing. Our words are yeah, we're saying the right thing with our words, but our actions aren't, aren't lining up with that. The Holy Spirit wants to align your words and your actions to actually be consistent with what God wants for you. It, it will require an empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It will re- require an endowment, a clothing, a saturation from God's Spirit. And this is on a daily basis. Basis is your witness empowered by the Holy Spirit? What are people hearing from your life? Your words, your lack of words, and your actions. This is your witness. Is your witness empowered by the Holy Spirit? You'll only go so far in your own ability, in your own strength, in your own education. There comes a point where we need supernatural intervention, supernatural help. And I think that's where we are. Come on, look at your neighbor one more time and tell him you need help. You need help, Gabby. Mm. And so do I, sis. I need help, Silas. We all need help. We need the help that God said we could have. What a shame for God to say, I've got this wonderful gift for you. It's going to help you. And we go, "Mm, I don't really want that. That's going to make me appear strange. Well, you're already strange. We've settled that matter. We're, We're peculiar people. But we could get empowered in our witness. I love when I just, I begin to pray for somebody, Pastor Moses, and all at once, my prayer of of simplicity turns into something powerful. I had no clue. I had no intention of saying some of the things that come out of my mouth. That's the Holy Spirit wanting to guide your words. Pastors, I want you to be empowered with the Holy Spirit. I want you operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want that full saturation for you guys. You need this. People are depending on you to have that full saturation and the gifts operating and flowing in your life. Lift up your hands, guys. We're going to get a, a we're going to pray over our pastors right here. Hallelujah. We thank you, God, for saturating our pastors today, Lord, giving them insight from your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would stir in them the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that at the appropriate time, in the appropriate way, they would be vessels that you could count on and depend on to use them in the full manner of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Mm, Love it. 
Number two, saturation in the Spirit. Not only does it empower our witness, the, the Holy Spirit wants to empower your walk. Galatians 5.16, I say, walk by the Spirit. Then you won't gratify the desires of your flesh. Remember that seatbelt I told you to buckle? Check it. <laughs> your walk, by the way, that's where you go. Your witness is what you say. Your walk is where you go. There are basically two paths for all of us. There is the path of the flesh. I didn't say that because I got all the edge youth over here. You want me to do the flesh side over there? Casey's going, yeah, please. Sam, this is going to be the path of the flesh, buddy. You might want to relocate. Now stay right where you are. This path is, is, is wide. It, it's, it looks so enticing. And it, there's just a loud voice coming from it all the time. Get over here. Come on. That's the path that's calling to us. That's drawing us. I'm telling you, we're just sometimes we're like, I can't. Uh. That's when we're operating our flesh. And there's more of us in us than the Spirit of God in us. It's when we go, oh, I can't help myself. And we just get on that. We want on this path. We do. The human nature wants to walk this path. It's one of two options. The path of the flesh. We get on this path and we, we do the things that we shouldn't do. And it gets us in trouble. Because it's the path that leads to destruction. The desires, by the way, this path is in complete opposition to the path of righteousness. The path of the Spirit. Verse number 17 of Galatians 5. Look at this. The desires of the flesh, the path of the flesh, they're against the Holy Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other and keep you from doing the things you want to do. Have you ever done something you really didn't want to do and you so regretted it? Somebody's saying, yeah, today. <laughs> Before I got to church. You're not alone. It's very common. It's a path of gratification. It satisfies our flesh. But then comes with it guilt and disappointment. It's a path that leads to destruction. A path of pain. And if, if a person remains on this path. It, it ends up being a path of eternal separation from God because you can't stay on the path of the flesh and then go to heaven. Now, that's what the Bible tells us. Look at verse number 19 of Galatians 5. The works of the flesh, the path of the flesh, the works are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the list goes on. Things like these, I warn you as I've warned you before. Those who do such things or stay on this path and live on this path, they won't inherit the kingdom of God. That's how destructive that path is. 
But it is not the only path, and we do not have to walk that path. We certainly don't have to stay on that path. There is hope that we can come off of that path, and the Spirit of God can lead us to the path of righteousness. And that's what God wants us to walk, and He wants us to walk there consistently. In fact, He wants us to live there. That's the path that we're going to choose. Verse number 18 of Galatians 5. If you are led by the Spirit... Underline if. Oh, yeah, circle that. Because not everybody will be, um, even believers. He's writing to a church in Galatia. (laughs) If you are led by the Spirit, then you're not under the law, and you have no obligation to walk that path. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us down the right path. Hallelujah. And I want you just to imagine the Holy Spirit leading you down a path. And down that path is a garden, an orchard perhaps, filled with abundance of fruit. Spiritual fruit. What's there? Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is there. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There's no law. This is the path the Holy Spirit wants to lead us. When we're saturated in the Spirit, He will empower our walk so we don't end up doing these things that we don't want to do, the things that don't please God. Your walk is where you're going. Where are you going? (laughs) Remember, we're in the world, but we're not supposed to be of the world. There's some, it's so hard to tell the difference because they want to, I got to get to the club because that's how I'm going to witness. They're so wasted by the time they would try to witness to somebody. Could I preach this or not? You can't, you can't be effective. He said, come out from among them and be what? Be separate, be sanctified, be saturated in my spirit. So let us live there. I love Galatians 5.25. If we live there, if we live by this, that's ongoing, that's dwelling, that's day after day after day. Live there, let us also keep in step or walk there. Mm. Walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. Every day, you should be praying, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. I pray it every day. Because I used up all the mercy that he had for me when I woke up. See, the Bible says his mercy is new every day. I'm so glad I just use it up. I need the mercy of God. But I also know that my flesh is going to rear its ugly head and want to have his way. So I pray, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Please, just saturate me. Endue me with your power today so that I could walk as you want me to walk. Saying those things you want me to say. Keeping my mouth shut at the appropriate time. And and my actions speaking. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And I go through the attributes, the, the nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. I go through them on a daily basis. Concentrating each day on just one. Fill us. And then we live there. 
Why is it important that we're saturated in the Holy Spirit? What does this empowerment give us? Well, it empowers our witness. It empowers our walk. It empowers our work. John 9, 4, Jesus said, We must work the works of him who sent me while it's day because night's coming and then nobody can work. Your work is what you do. Now, as I say this, I'm not talking about your 9 to 5 job or whatever hours you put in. Some say, oh, I'd love a 9 to 5 job. Mm-hmm. I understand. I'm not talking about your occupation here, although the Holy Spirit wants to empower you there. Clearly, it's part of your witness. I'm actually talking here about what you do for the kingdom, your spiritual work, the work of the kingdom, the building of the kingdom. This is outreach, reaching out to those in need. You don't have to go very far to find that. Really, we just have to have an awareness that they're all around us. We need to reach out. The Holy Spirit wants to empower us to reach out. But yet we're timid, yet we're insecure. We're, we're, we operate in our own flesh. I'm ready for us to break out of that. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, I'm going to reach out to somebody that I don't even know. Right? Why not? Isn't it time, Pete? Absolutely. I'm talking about evangelism, empowering your evangelism. We're, we're to be evangelists. That's just telling people the good news. And isn't it good news? How many think it's good news? You found Christ. He transformed your life. It's, it is good news. Your evangelism is just telling somebody else about the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, what he's done for you and what he could do for them. That's evangelizing. Holy Spirit wants to empower that. He wants to empower your ability to disciple. Discipleship. Our discipleship really needs empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That is one person taking another one person, start there, and working. Here we go, work. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit empowering your work. Working with one other person who's already saved but needs help growing in God. That's discipleship. That's why our life groups are so powerful. That's why I want you in a life group starting now, starting today, starting last week, you know. It's just, that's how important it is. How's your discipleship? Do you have even one person that's kind of under your wing? If you've been a Christian for a while, you should have one person that you're consistently encouraging and you're checking on each other and you're talking about the word together. I won't even ask for a survey here today because it would probably be frightening. But we all should have some people, at least one, that we're just consistently working with to try to make them a better Christian. We have to have the Holy Spirit's help for that, church. It's your ability to serve, too. It's, it's outreach, it's evangelism, it's discipleship, and it's just simple serving in the church. Just saying, hey, I'm here. I'll, I'll do whatever. I'll shut off the lights after everybody leaves. You know, somebody has to do that. You don't think about that. Somebody has to shut off the lights. I'll, I'll clean the toilets, right? Not very many people want to do that. I don't want to do that. 
But somebody has to do that. It's just serving. Our children's ministry needs volunteers. Our, our music department needs volunteers. Uh, young adults and, and youth, and the list goes on. And God has put ability in every person. Wonderful, powerful ability. Imagine the Holy Spirit empowering that ability to serve in the church and to build the kingdom of God. There's a reason why it's called the work of the ministry. It takes work. It takes work to share your faith with others. It takes work to see the lost saved. It takes work to disciple someone. It takes work and time to volunteer to come and help at the church. Let the Holy Spirit empower your work. Today we saturate in the Spirit. This happens as we surrender fully to the Holy Spirit. It happens when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. I believe that spirit baptism is a separate and subsequent event to salvation. I say that because that is the pattern in the New Testament. Again, gathered in this room were people who were already saved but not yet baptized in the Holy Spirit. They needed the power. This is the example that we follow. It is the example that we believe is for us today. We too can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want Pastor Moses and the team to come. And I want you to think about what happened to just one in the upper room that day. After he was saturated in the Holy Spirit. Peter. Before he was saturated, his witness, he was denying Christ. The Bible says he even swore. Now, I don't know if that means he cussed or if he just says, I swear to you. Neither one's good. Neither one's good. This is his witness. They're saying, hey, I, I think, I think, I know. He, I, I saw him with with the Christ. He's like, no, no, no. This is his witness speaking. Before the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. After the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, his witness is empowered and his words are empowered. He preaches with boldness a sermon that netted in, are you ready for this, 3,000 converts that day. That's a dramatic shift and change in one's witness. What about his walk, Peter's walk? Before he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, remember, saved already, already following Christ, but not spirit baptized. His walk, it was still arrogant. It was still prideful. Jesus is trying to lay everything out. Just a little bit before he's, he's crucified, Peter pipes up and he says, Jesus, even if everybody forsakes you and everybody walks away from you, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to keep walking with you. I'll never forsake you. That's what he said. And then Jesus says, well, just so you know, you'll deny me three times before the sun rises. After his walk was humble, it was submissive, 
He's going to church one day, and there's a beggar lying there. And he just says, listen, man, I don't have any silver. I don't have any gold. I don't have any money. But I have something for you. And what I have, I'm going to give it to you. His walk was dramatically transformed and empowered. He said, get up and walk. (laughs) Now, Peter's walk was literally transformed and empowered. They'd bring the sick out just so Peter's shadow might touch him and they were healed. That's, That's some empowerment on your walk. What about his work? Before spirit baptism, Peter is working with his energy, with his strength, and how he thinks it's supposed to be done. I'm going to defend my friend. You're not going to take my friend without a fight. They come to get Jesus so he can be tried, and Peter works in his own strength. He rolls up his sleeves, he takes out his sword, and he lops off the ear. This is his work. After, he's strengthened by the Holy Spirit and ends up as one of the founders of the early church. Bow your heads all across this room. Saturated in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give a call and this call is for everyone. This call is, first of all, for those who have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Those of you, I want you to come to this section on your right, my left, all the way to the front. Those who have never been baptized with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I want to meet you over here. The second call is for all those who want a fresh endowment and clothing empowerment of the Holy Spirit and those who want to be completely saturated in the Spirit I want you to come to the center part of the front and all the way to your left everyone standing I want you to come this call is for everyone only guests are You're you're welcome to come, but you don't have to come. But all of the church family, you need to be moving. New spirit baptism over here on this side. Renewing and saturation of the spirit center and all over here. Press all the way to the front. we got lots and lots of people. Everybody is encouraged to participate in this. Everyone. Come on, church. I want you up here. Make him welcome today. Make him welcome today. And as you come, just begin to lift up your voice in gratitude and in praise. Just thank him for the gift of his promise that he, that he offered. He said, don't leave until you receive this promise. Come on and thank him right now. We are grateful, Lord, that we don't have to do this on our own. Hallelujah. There's power that's coming today. Power is coming for us today. Power to witness, power to walk, power to work, power to be all that you want us to be. Hallelujah.
baptized for the very first time and speak in tongues, I want you to lift up your hands right where you are and say, Father, I received this promise. I'm waiting on this promise. I need your power. Come on, I need to hear your voice. It's going to be your voice. Say, I need your power to be the witness and to walk and to work. Baptize me now in Jesus' name. Now begin just to lift up praise to him. We're going to come through and pray for you, and you are going to speak in another language. Don't be freaked out by that. This is all part of God's plan. This is a, a sign. The initial evidence was that they spoke in tongues. So as we come to pray for you, don't be surprised if you hear something in your head. That is God. That is the Holy Spirit. That's the language that he has for you. So just begin to just speak out that language that God has for you. Everybody else, just seek God for a infilling, a, 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 a new infilling and that saturation of God's spirit in your life so that you're not led by the flesh, you're led by the Spirit, and in fact, you're living in the Spirit. Come on, everybody, let's just seek the Lord now for a few more minutes.
I need some spirit-filled folks to come down here and help me pray with some people today. People who are already filled with the spirit, I need you down here quickly. Men with men, women with women. We've got people hungry. People are, are, are beginning to speak in tongues and, and receive power today. Come on, I need you quickly. Just find somebody that's on, on this side and get right in their face and help them pray. We're praying people through to the baptism today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He's already speaking in tongues, but he needs to keep on. Stay right with him, Al. Hallelujah. Reuben just got baptized in the Holy Spirit here today, folks. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray that you would baptize these young ladies today. Thank you, Lord. God, let them receive their prayer language today in the name of Jesus. I need some young ladies, young ladies right over here. Some young ladies or some ladies who feel young, you think you're still young. That's all right. Get over here. Hallelujah. We got some young ladies that need to be prayed, prayed for. Thank you, Jesus. speaking tongues over here. They've never done it in their whole life. They've never spoken like this. And in the name of Jesus.
those over here on this side, if you did not speak in tongues, I want you to raise your hand. If you're praying, but you didn't speak in tongues, I want you to raise your hand. How many did speak in tongues? Let me ask the other question. You spoke in tongues, Bree? I know Reuben did. You spoke in tongues? My goodness, there's so many that were speaking in tongues for the first time. You spoke in tongues today? Okay, so those who did not, I want you to raise your hand. And I want you to stretch your hand and your faith toward, this is our family right here, right? They need a gift that we have received. And we just pray that right now, let it happen today, God. Let it happen today. Say, fill me, God. Just If you're still praying, say, fill me. Fill me. Fill me. It's happening. It's happening. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your power. Hallelujah. We need power. He promised us power. Come on, everybody, lift up your prayer language. Lift up your prayer language. Send the power, God. Send the power, God. Send the power. 
raining in here. Come on and high five somebody. Tell them it's raining in here. It's raining in here. Hallelujah. Listen to me. Listen to me a moment. When this happened initially, the very first time this happened, those who heard it and witnessed it thought they'd lost their minds. At least they thought they were drunk. It's only nine in the morning. And they're drunk out of their skull. Couldn't they have the decency to wait till five? Uh, but it was so powerful and so loud, people outside heard it. And it instantly empowered their witness because there were 17 languages spoken that day that were not learned. What's the, what's the language learning curriculum? Rosetta Stone. They didn't have Rosetta Stone. Yeah. They had the Holy Ghost and the stone that was rolled away. Hallelujah. People might think you're out of your mind. I'm just giving you a warning. They might think we're crazy. Fanatical. Radical. You know, it, it, it goes with the territory to a degree. But listen, and this is maybe the most important thing that you could hear today. I don't want to overemphasize speaking in tongues. I don't want to minimize it. It just goes with it. Goes with it. It's like buying your shoes and you get the tongues in the shoe, right? You get baptized in the Holy Ghost, you get the tongues with it. It was the initial evidence on that day, and there are other examples in the book of Acts where people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in tongues without any learning of a language. And they weren't all languages that people understood. But if it's only about tongues, and there's no power, empowerment to your witness and your walk and your work, then it's just annoying. Now, that's the Bible. If all you do is speak in tongues, it's like a clanging cymbal. You want to just put your hands on your ears and say, Sam, stop it. It's like, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard, you know. Hmm, speaking in tongues, it's driving me crazy. I think we should speak in tongues, clearly. But more than speaking in tongues, we need to have a change in, there needs to be a before Pentecost for us still. Just like for Peter, just like for the 120. There was a clear before, following Christ, saved, and then there was a distinct difference after. This is why I had this service today. I want the distinct difference after. I don't want your home the same. I want your life different because you've had an experience with the Holy Spirit today. It's a difference. Empowering your walk and your witness and whatever God would have you do in, to, to build the kingdom. You ready to get saturated? Stay saturated? 
Mm-mm. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's just take a moment and thank him before we leave today. We thank you, almighty God. We thank you for your word today. We thank you for your presence today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name, God. Blessed be your name, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Dad, I want you to come and dismiss us in prayer if you don't mind. Hallelujah. Wow. See, I thought we were ready to go home. I'm asking my dad to come and close in prayer, and God said, I have one more thing that I want to say. I want to remind you. That's another reason why we need to saturate in the Spirit. We, then the gifts of the, of the what? Of the Spirit. It's the spiritual gifts. We have to be saturated in the Spirit. So there's an attuneness, an awareness. Oh, yeah, God wants to say this. God wants to use a gift. I, I don't know. It's 1230. I'll keep preaching if you want me to. What do you think, Dad? That, uh, you know, my son has said we can have education. We can have a lot of things. Money, different things. But I tell you, I'm 77. And what's kept me for over 56 years is the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. You know, and, and we need it. Today, there's so much out there. Uh, if you don't have the Spirit, you're not going to get saved. And I've, I've seen it and witnessing it. And a lot of you people have been saved as long as I have. And that's what's kept us. And thank God. Humility and the power of People, when you're witnessing to them, they can, they see right through you, right through you. And if you're there, sincerely. And when we go out on this Sunday, when we all come together, uh, I'm anxious to see what God will do. Because I think we've laid the groundwork. We prayed. And be expecting. You know what I'm expecting? I'm expecting people to be saved. For the glory of God, not not for me, but for the glory of God. Let's pray. Let's pray for America. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for the day. Lord, it's, it's satisfied our heart to see these this young man I was praying with, Eli Davis, uh, receive the Spirit. God, bless him and all the others.
others that receive the word. Bless them. Use them. May they hear what the word is today. The, the message, Lord, is very simple. We need the power of God to come back in. And we have to have it in our lives, Lord. And, and I, I, I thank you that I feel it today. I know it's for real. I thank you for these people, Lord. And may we all expect when we go out to receive a great witness to the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we'll thank you for it. We'll praise you for it. We love you today. We love these people. And God, have your own way in each of their lives. And we honor you. Amen. Amen. God bless everybody. Thanks for being here today. Just a reminder, we have a very brief Dominican Republic meeting right in the Friendship Room in about five minutes.